Hello, you are listening to Omnitalk's Retail Fast Five, brought to you in partnership with the A&M Consumer and Retail Group, Firework, SPS Commerce, and Sezzle. Ranked in the top 10% of all podcasts globally, the Retail Fast Five is the podcast that we hope makes you feel a little smarter, but most importantly, a little happier each week too. Today is September 14th, 2023. I'm your host, Dan Mazenga. And I'm Chris Walton. And we are here once again to discuss the most important headlines from the past week that highlight how the physical, digital, and human elements of retail are coming together to shape the future. Chris, hello, my yeah. fellow my fellow world traveler. How are you yeah. doing? I'm doing well, and yes, yes. I was actually just putting together tomorrow's newsletter, and I wrote about how it's been a busy week because we were in uh, Chicago yesterday. Uh, I guess doing that's, a lot. That's, yeah, that's not world travel, but it just no, feels not- like there's been a lot of travel. Yeah. It sometimes feels like the world, doesn't it? And it does. The world's on our shoulders. Yes. But no, we were in Chicago yesterday doing a live fast five in front of the, for, well, in front of and for the Peapod, Peapod Labs digital team yesterday. Yes. Great group of people. Great group oh. of people. Yeah. Shout out to Brenda Allen Toon, who, by the way, I learned, Ann, that she uh, did not like my flat brimmed hat choice from a few weeks ago, the the Cubs hat. She she likes it when I'm wearing a more rounded cap. So if she's watching today, this New Stanford hat that I procured is is just for you. And shout out this to all hat- my Stanford listeners, like Jennifer Aiken and all those guys too. So yeah, this this hat's for you, Brenda. This hat this hat's for, for you. you, Brenda. Yeah, that's right. That's um, a good saying. I like that. Yeah, hat. I she's not alone in that sentiment, Chris. As I've told you multiple no. times, I don't and, think the flat bill is is your uh, is your go to. That's not going to be your signature. No, I kind of concur with it too. I don't think a flat bill works for me. It makes me look like I'm like in junior high school, but. Uh, but yeah, and and then the other thing that happened to me this week that I wanted to share too, I went to the mall this weekend and okay. I was at the mall at like 1130. The, the first, in, by the way, for context, the first indoor shopping mall in the history of the United States, which is right down yes. from our house, South End Mall. I went in there at 1115 on a Sunday morning and the whole thing's closed. There isn't one store. Open. I think Macy's might've been open, but none of the interior specialty retail shops we're open. Apple might have been open too, but but nothing else was open. And it just blew my mind. I'm like, how have we gotten to the point where I can't shop in a mall on Sunday? I mean, you were like, yeah, I knew that, but yeah. She's looking a little, she she's looking a little toe up. That's for sure. Yeah. She's uh she's not quite the uh the beauty that she used to be with the monkey menagerie and all the things. It's it's hard out there for a for a Southdale mall. That's it for is. Sure. It is. And the first thing I thought of was like, oh my God, you know who wins from this is like Walmart and Target. Like people are people that just want to get their Sunday chores done and get stuff done. I mean, they're just going to get more traffic from that. So, so I'm curious to see. So I'm going to ask Ethan, our friend Ethan Trunovsky of Placer AI, when he's on the show with us here in a few, yeah. in a in a few, uh, in a few weeks, because we're going to talk to him, I think in October, uh, late, late October about, you know, the trends he's seeing. And I'm curious if he's seeing any, you know, daytime shopping shifts out of malls based on them just being open and whatnot, you know, in his data that he has around traffic. So yeah, check that out. We've been putting a lot of flyers out on that in our newsletter. And of course on social media too, Uh, you can find it on LinkedIn, but yeah, register for that. He's going to do the top five biggest trends that store traffic or top five biggest takeaways that store traffic data tells us from the past year. I'm looking forward to that. I also, I want him to test your hypothesis, but Chris, um, we have more right. important news to discover. Oh yeah. I almost forgot. Yes. 
that was that was my rendition wow. of like the football like hype music. Is that even close? Great am am I, is that the right sport? Am I, I in no the right idea. world? I actually have no idea what you're doing. It, it sounded like the bastard love child of Rocky with the Michigan fighting. fighting like that uh, one. It's like that's the entrance to the football music, right? Yeah, I yeah I know what song you're singing, but I don't know. Okay, well the reason I'm entrance song. The reason I'm singing that or trying my best to sing that is because next week is the Super Bowl of retail. We got a big week next week. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Before we get to the headlines, and loyal Army Tick fans, as Ann just mentioned, we are days away, literally days, and like four days, I think, oh, from four or five, from the most anticipated grocery event of the year, and that is Grocery Shop. It's it's almost here. I can't believe it, Ann. It literally is my favorite show, and I was, I was thinking about that this morning. This is my favorite show, without a doubt. Doors open next Tuesday for three days, filled with incredible content, networking opportunities, and of course, tons of fun. And now with over 50 sessions and an impressive lineup of 170 plus speakers, of which Anne and I are both included in that 175 number. Anne and I totally get it that it's impossible for any single attendee to catch everything. But fear not, loyal OmniTalk fans, because Anne and I have an awesome plan. We're going to be teaming up with Grocery Shop's very own Ben Miller, the director of original content, and Raquan Lucas, the VP of content, to make sure you don't miss a beat. And here's how we're doing it. We're kicking it up a notch this year. We're turning this recap on stage into a live podcast recording right there on the stage. Yes, with us. We're the podcast hosts, Ben and Raquan in the house. The very last stage presentation of the show hosted by Anne and myself. It's going to be insightful, entertaining, and all around fantastic. You can bet we're going to have a ton of fun doing it too. We can't wait to dive into the most important trends and topics happening in the grocery ecosystem. And guess what? You still have a chance to be a part of this incredible experience. Yes, you can still get your tickets. Just head to groceryshop.com slash Omnitalk. That's groceryshop.com slash Omnitalk and grab your last minute ticket. And are your bags packed yet? Do you know what you're going to wear? No, I'm getting help today. My friend and uh, loyal Omnitalk listener, Ann Marshik, is coming to help me Styling coordinate you. some things because I have not been dedicating enough time, nor have I been home enough to have any idea. And let's just be real, Chris. Our plans, our cutting plans to get in fighting shape for the for the Super Bowl of retail grocery yeah. shop next week, they didn't work out so well. No, they There's didn't. Too they much did going on. Yeah, so. no, they did it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The LBs are a little strong with this one this year. Yeah, um, yeah, no. And truth be told, that's why I was at the mall last week too. Was trying yeah. to get some outfits for the show, so I got right. some new duds. Had to go somewhere else, but uh, but got it squared away. All right, and let's get this show on the road. In today's Fast Five, we've got news on Kroger hitting the brakes on automated micro-fulfillment, IKEA's maze-like store design, and the love its shoppers apparently have for it, convenience retailer Kushtar, if I'm saying that correctly, and Mashgen, the official launch of TikTok Shop. But we begin today with big news on the delivery front out of Walmart. And yes, Chris, headline number one, Walmart has added nighttime hours real-time and real-time texting to express delivery options. They're working on the night moves. You know that song? Bob Seger, right? (laughs) 
Yeah, is that yeah, Bob Seger? I, I, oh, yeah. I think so. Yeah, I think so. I do know that song. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to sing every headline. I'm going to get it in on every Got headline. It. Just kidding. I won't. All right. <laughs> According to the great Dan Berthium of Chain Store Age, Walmart will now offer its express delivery service until 10 p.m. on orders that are placed by 9.30 p.m. at 4,000 stores across the U.S. with delivery happening in as little as 30 to 90 minutes. And in addition, Walmart has also added another new express delivery feature, one in which customers can now engage in real-time text communication with a personal shopper to discuss substitutions or if they want to add any items last minute. The express delivery service costs $10 on top of the existing delivery charge, which ranges from $7.95 to $9.95 if you are not a Walmart Plus customer. Chris, what are your thoughts on this? The night moves, the night Bob moves Seeger from Walmart would say, and the texting moves like this has got like maybe um like hotline bling and night moves in a mashup song for this because we're adding text, live texting and chatting and we're adding late night delivery. What could possibly go wrong? Chris, tell me more, please. <laughs> oh, my God. And hopefully the audience isn't confused already. Oh my God. Oh, my God. You're in rare form today, my friend. Oh, my God. Road weary traveling indeed. Yes. All right. So my my take on this is I'm I'm far less interested in the late night delivery as I am in the text based engagement. I think that's the much cooler part of this story. Um, sure. If people want to pay insane amounts to have their products delivered late to them, which it looks like from what you read is like upwards of $17 to actually make this happen, then yeah, go for it. And Walmart, yeah, experiment till the cows come home. Cause it seems like a really no risk experiment to see if there's demand at that time of the day. But the real beauty for me is like I said before, it's that they're experimenting with text add-ons to the orders. So that makes the idea of, I forgot this, or I want to add this to my order easier in the long run. It calls to mind what we talked about with Peapod Digital Labs yesterday when we talked about Target at curbside pickup, how they're doing the add-on for coffee and other items from Starbucks. And we eventually see that going into other things as well because there's plenty of things you forget when you do yep. your curbside order and you're there in the parking lot and you still want something. And so this capability is going to enable that. And so for that reason, and it gets them into kind of dipping their toes into text-based commerce again, which has also been something that we've been big on and talked about on the show a lot. Um, so for those reasons alone, I love it a lot. So I, I think it's interesting. You're going to go into the text commerce. I, I agree with you on that point. I have to hit on the the late night delivery stuff. I okay. understand here as Walmart why you're testing this. It makes sense. You need to keep the drivers on your Spark platform at full capacity. And this gives a few more hours to offer that the, those workers on the Spark platform, the gig uh, workers who are doing these deliveries later in the evening. But the key thing I point out here it's 30 to 90 minutes. 90 minutes? Yeah, that was kind of interesting. Tell yeah. me, you mean to tell me if your kid's sick at night and you need something from Walmart, which is one of the use cases that they point out in this press release, I'm sorry. I can get to the closest Walmart, Target, whatever 24-hour grocery store is near me and get that thing in under an hour. Like, if it's going to take me 90 minutes and it's going to cost me $17, that that is not a value proposition for i think the average person who may engage in this service plus you've got services out there like DoorDash yep, who just thinking that for these specific items there's nothing that the DoorDash Dashmart couldn't bring me if i have my dash pass which i do in that in a shorter amount of time within 30 minutes that that you know Walmart that gives any there's no reason for me to go to Walmart here is i guess what i'm saying but 
Yeah, I don't know. Point. I, I I do like the text delivery though. I think anything you can do to like get in and add to basket or to um to increase that basket size, it, it makes a ton of sense here. Yeah, it makes me wonder to your point if they're thinking about more like food and that type of thing than the traditional like health needs at the end of the night. Because yeah, it's gonna be yes. Because because like, otherwise, yeah, you food? just go to DoorDash and and go to like get whatever they can. But maybe they're thinking the stores aren't gonna be open, so there's a play for them there. I don't know. You know, maybe people got the munchies more often now, and you know, you know, you know, lots more people Perhaps. legalizing. You know what I'm saying? All right, let's keep rolling. Headline number two. Kroger is just slowing, not it's not just slowing down, Ann. And let me say that correctly, not just slowing down. Uh-oh. It is hitting the brakes altogether on its plans to further automate its fulfillment centers and its overall operation. According to grocery dive Sam Silverstein, one of our favorites, second week in a row, we've mentioned his work. Kroger is holding off on the development of new facilities until it is confident existing sites are performing up to expectations. Kroger CEO Rodney McMullen said that, quote, all energy is focused, end quote, on the Ocado sites already in operation, and that, quote, we are making progress, but we wouldn't be to the point where we would start focusing on additional sheds, interesting term, until we make sure that we have a clear path on the ones we have, end quote. Anne, are you surprised by this news? And do you like that they are shedding, potentially, their sheds, or at least slowing down their sheds? I, I love calling him sheds. I feel like you're in the know. If you're calling him sheds, you are in the biz. Like that is great. I I will. I I did notice that call out in the article too. But I mean, I, okay. Am I surprised by this? A little, I guess. But because they went so hard into building these and talking about right. the hub and spoke models and like going aggressively into South Florida where they didn't have stores and they're going to be doing like delivery only. Uh, grocery fulfillment, but it's expensive. Like there, that's never been a, you know, that's, that's never been a mystery to anybody. Like these micro fulfillment centers, while efficient, they, they take a lot of upfront capital. And that's just not something that a lot of the, a lot of grocery retailers can handle right now. And I, I wonder, you know, they, this was very successful in the UK where Okada started with this. But now once you're, even with the hub and spoke models that they feel, it seemed like they were very strategic about setting up, like, you still have much further distances to travel. There's a lot of costs in that last mile. And I think that's to me where it makes sense that they're saying like, pause, hold, let's just regroup here. Let's figure out what makes sense. What can we use like in our stores? What 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 can we do to kind of adapt and um, change this for the US market versus some, some like high density area like the UK? Yeah, I mean... This story to me, and um, I like a lot of the points you just said, and I'm going to expand upon them too. Like, I think, I think it's absolutely a fascinating story. Like, mm-hmm. and it's kind of like, whoa, like when you sent this to me, I think my text back to you was, whoa, like I did the Joy Lawrence, whoa, that I always yeah. do, you know, when these stories come out. And I got, I had fun thinking about like, okay, why could Kroger be doing this? Why is this the state of micro fulfillment at Kroger? And and here's what I came up with, Anne. I think you'll like this. In ascending order of likelihood. Okay. Okay. So stay with me now. I'll get through I'm this. So one, one, maybe, and this goes to your point, actually. One, maybe the Okado tech isn't all that it's cracked up to be. And the idea of centralized large-scale automated fulfillment 
doesn't pay the, that many dividends because you don't have the last mile savings, which is what you said, right? So that's one. Two, with the merger of Albertsons, where they've gone in a different direction with takeoff in the past and how they're going to yep. do micro-fulfillment on site, maybe the results of that are different and Koger leadership wants to pause to assess which path is the right path going forward following the merger. It's possible. Great point. Yeah. Or three, which I think is the most likely thing, as Kim Beaudry of Dematic said on our podcast recently- and she's far more expert on this than either one of us. So this is why I'm I'm hedging my bets towards this of the three. The ROI for micro fulfillment for grocery is just isn't there yet. And the capital is relatively too expensive and too inflexible to deploy at this time, not knowing what the needs are in terms of how the U.S. market is going to continue to want to fulfill their groceries online. So like I said, my bet is on the last one, because when I step back, it is pretty fascinating to me that you have a company who is big at selling micro-fulfillment automation in Domatic. You have someone from that company on our podcast basically saying that market is drying up. Like, when has that ever happened, And Like, that never happens on a podcast. So if you haven't listened to that podcast, go back. It came out like two weeks ago. Fascinating, because she talked about this and kind of predicted that it was going to happen. So that's why that's why I think that's the most likely scenario here. Yeah, that I mean, and Kim, she was like our most listened to podcast for a while the last time she was on. too. Yeah. So make sure to check that out. Um, I love the point too, Chris, about the Kroger and Albertsons merger, too, and like them looking at like, what's going on? What makes yeah. sense here? Like, ooh, I, yeah. don't I, was, I don't know. I'm afraid I'm giving them too much credit on that one. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Chris, let's move on to headline number three. According to the Wall Street Journal, Ikea shoppers want their maze back, Chris. They want it back. They, they want, want their maze back. back. Their maze back. Their maze back. They Holy want their Hannah. Maze back. Their maze back. Their maze back. Uh, apparently, uh, Katie Deaton, uh, the Wall Street Journal reporter, said that IKEA over the past five years has opened new urban stores that diverge from the typical IKEA store experience that guide customers on a winding course through showrooms devoted to different parts of the home. But based on customer interviews and feedback surveys, IKEA found that many shoppers crave the guiding hand of the original IKEA store design. And so IKEA is consequently redesigning the floor plans and signage of its downtown locations to make them look more like those of its larger out-of-town stores. Chris, this is also the put-you-on-the-spot question from our friends at A&M. Here it is. Okay. A&M says, this was a fascinating experiment and results coming from Ikea on store layout and customer and consumers wanting more guidance in their shopping experience. What practical lessons, Chris, should other retailers take from this, regardless of the size of the box? Oh my and gosh, go. that's, that is such a good question, Anne. Uh, I love this because this. I love when they ask me a question where I can just be as blunt as f. Like I just love it because the lesson should be in, and I firmly believe what I'm about to say. And I know I'm going to take a lot of flack for this on on social media. The customer isn't always right. Okay, that is my takeaway here. Because I said I t- I said that because when you're taking feedback on what can be improved, there are always things that can be improved. But whether a customer, all things being equal, actually wants them improved at the end of the day is a different story. So it's very open to interpretation. The customer ultimately is always right at the end of the day, but the customer is not always right in what they're telling you. So as much as I hate, quite honestly, loathe the IKEA layout, I've been on record as saying it's the seventh circle of hell. I too do not want it to go away because it is functional in how it operates. It's it's you know for lack of a better way to put it, I was talking about this in the airport yesterday. I think it's it's organized by room. 
It's it's like buy room on steroids with major vignettes along the way through the entire shopping experience. And that's one, because people want to be inspired. And two, because they want to help in seeing what goes together because they're thinking about their specific decorating needs as they shop. Because you go to Ikea when you need a big shopping trip. You don't go there to like peck and hunt certain items. You go there when you have a job to do to get done. That's why it's so big. That's why there's so many people there every week. And that and so and that is my opinion on why that design works. And so all of which was was is summed up best by I think IDO, which is the best research never ever beats live trial and error. And as IDO founders used to say, enlightened trial and error beats planning beats enlightened planning every time. And that's what you see here. They tried this out in their new stores and they realized it didn't work. So they're going away from it. So, hey, cool. No skin off the back. Let's go back to what we know works well. I'm going to, I'm going to disagree with you a bit here. Uh, I think that your same point about the customer is not always right. Could also be applied to the recent research that they've done saying that the customers don't want the maze. I think you need to dig a little bit deeper into this because Fair point. you ask customer like customer interceptions while valuable uh, can also like if you ask somebody exactly what they want, they're going to tell you what they think that they want. And maybe that's not always right. So I think that the happy solution here for Ikea is somewhere in the middle, which it sounds like they're starting to do like they're they're taking the stores and maybe not just being like a a showroom for for different rooms like they have in the urban stores right now. But I think it's some kind of happy medium. I also think you have to think about the revenue that's been lost in these stores and that headline, because that I think like Ikea can come out and be like, no, it's our customers that wanted it. It's not that we were losing Mm -hmm. revenue because you don't Uh, have to wind through the whole maze. You think there's subterfuge at play here. Is that what you're saying? I do. I totally do. I, I think that what needs to happen, and I do believe that Ikea is doing this is what purpose does your store serve? You said this yesterday in our Peapod um, Fast Five, like the consultant answer to A&M's question is, it depends. What type of shopping trip are you on? And I think that for these small format Ikeas, I still like the idea that you can order online and use this as a pickup destination. So I think it's it's figuring out like what part of the store needs to be picked up because there are scenarios where you do just want that picture frame. You do just want some of those things. And that's why pickup at Ikea has been so successful. The curbside pickup or the waiting in line pickup has been so successful or you're doing product returns. So I think that that is still should still be a focus, but I do think that, you know, it depends on what what journey your customers are on. Sometimes you're going to IKEA and you want the Instagram discovery experience. Sometimes you want the Amazon seek and destroy experience where you got two things that you need to replace or you need a a light bulb for your Fliegenblauben uh lamp and you need to go get that. So I think that right now they need to figure out what's the right format for these urban stores. What co- the right combination of maze plus uh, seek and destroy, like order fulfillment pickup. Got it. Yeah, that's interesting. I still think at the end of the day that that IKEA is about getting the chore done. You move into a new house; it's the place you go to get everything you need as quickly as possible, and that's how these stores have to be designed. Your point about maybe this is subterfuge is really interesting, though. All right, let's keep on rolling. Headline number four. Kushtard president and CEO Brian Hennish said on a recently recent quarterly earnings call that its new smart checkout system is helping the retailer to control costs. According to Brett Dworsky of C Store Dive, shout out to the Dworsky, since debuting its smart. He is not checkout, okay with that. 
Yeah, well, he might be. He sounds like a cool guy. He sounds like, you know, what's it sounds like that old Chicago Bears skit from Saturday Night Live. Brett the Dwarf Dorsky uh of Sea Star Dive. Since debuting its smart cart program in June 2022, Kushtard has brought the platform to 2,200 stores across North America. And 40% of in-store payments at these sites run through these self-service stations. These stations were developed by checkout technology company Mash Gin. And the platform uses computer vision to recognize consumers' items once they are placed onto a tray and automatically rings them up. And I fought with you to include this story. Why were you so reticent on its inclusion? I think because when I read the story, they were focusing so much on the the labor correlation to why these things are valuable in store. Um, hmm. And I, I think that, yes, sure, why I like there's, it, but yeah, there's go ahead. probably some savings there. And I actually got to see these firsthand when I visited the Couchetard, as it's pronounced in French, uh, at the McGill lab when I was visiting Carl Boutet up in Montreal. But I think the the most important thing to note here and the reason that this should be included and why I finally conceded was that convenience stores must be convenient. Waiting in line to check out is not convenient. So scanning each individual item, not properly placing item in bagging area, like not convenient. Okay. The solution from Mastion does speed things up tremendously, whether that's me doing self-checkout or that's somebody in, you know, who's using self-checkout as a checkout uh, associate, it's it's just simpler. It makes things faster. So I think that is where the benefits of of, of this Mastion self-checkout and and the benefit and why Kushtar is rolling this out to more locations makes sense and should be part of the podcast today. But you really like the the labor oh, savings part of it. Wow. Did you say you just came around? Did you just is that what I, happened here? I did. I told you yeah. I could I could see it. I was like, yeah, that's fine. I just I I don't agree with the Dworsky here that that sh- that labor savings should have been the headline on this. I think it's oh, this technology I, is the is the like it's just working. It's faster. It gets people in and out. Makes the convenience store more convenient. Well, I'm gonna throw some support at Brad's way too because actually I think I think it's first of all it's great to see you being so magnanimous in that and it's always a great whenever Brett, I drop his name is Brett. Conversation. Brett, not yeah. Brad. Oh, it's Brett. Oh, okay, Brett. Brett. The sorry, Dworsky. the Dworsky. Yeah, I messed that up before. Brett. Yes, sorry. Uh, so yeah, but anyway, actually, I actually think the, the labor savings is key because that's what the, the the CEO is talking about publicly, and that's the value he's getting from this. But the other reason this headline is important to me is it shows that the applications of computer vision are still being understood. We've talked about smart cards, we've talked about just walk out technology, and but keep and keep in mind what I'm about to say: none of these things are mutually exclusive either. They can all be deployed together in the long run too. But yep. the Mastion concept is one we haven't talked at all about really in a really long time. It's probably been a few years. And so, like I said, you have a CEO here at a large scale retailer that's publicly saying 40% of its transactions are happening via Mastion's technology and it's driving operational savings. So then you have to ask yourself how. Well, the how to me, and this is why I think the operational part is important, is because it's making the checkout process quicker and faster. People are probably likely putting their products on the, the reader. Mm-hmm. And the items get automatically run up. So the store employee doesn't have to scan all of them. If 40% of the transactions are happening that way, I have to think, I have to infer that this is what he's talking about. This is what the CEO is referring to, which is important because ultimately the same idea could be applied to traditional grocery store lanes where instead of the cashier ringing everything up, she just puts it all through and then it gets bagged up. Or even the self-checkout lanes, you just come put it there just like it's happening in, in, in the Kustar stores. And then you put it in the bag, right? It rings it up really quickly. You don't have to do anything. 
And so that ultimately means two things. It means less errors and it means quicker throughput and ultimately less cashiers and less payroll too, because one associate can do more in less time. So that's why I think this is important. And it's cool in the conversation and context of how computer vision is still going to shape retail. And we don't know the answers yet. That's why I wanted to include it today. Yeah, I like the I like the computer vision angle of it. I still I still think the it's most I mean, the the part that's still not clear is whether it's self checkout versus associate checkout and like is are you are how many associates do you still need to have yes you can have one associate for multiple self-checkout lanes this makes it simpler but we'll see we'll see i i've yes. around chris yeah i know yeah and so and so brett if you're listening yeah we'd love to hear to see the follow-up to see how they're actually using this and uh deploying it in those stores to get this operational savings it'd be great to know all right chris let's take it home headline number five tiktok shop has officially launched in the u.s after much ado, and according to TechCrunch's Ivan Meta, TikTok this week debuted new features, features including a dedicated shop tab on the home screen, live video shopping, shoppable ads, and affiliate programs for creators. Creators can tag products to make it easier for users to buy things from in-feed videos and live videos, and brands can make their own product portfolios, which can be accessible from their profile pages. Chris, thoughts? Yes, yeah. Oh, my thoughts on this. this? Um, Yeah, I mean, I'm glad to see TikTok got to this point. I mean, that's kind of my big takeaway. I mean, we ranted about this, or I did particularly months months ago now. It feels like a year ago almost, but still makes me sad to think about all the talent that was wasted at Meta when it just up and abandoned this whole concept, you know, Mm -hmm. the whole concept of social commerce. And now TikTok's doing it with much better roots in how it should be done from what they know about how it works overseas in China. Now, how it well it's going to work in the U.S. ultimately come down to the user experience and the control retailers and brands are willing to give over to the platform. But make no mistake, and TikTok is a juggernaut. Mm-hmm. You say it in our circles, and ears automatically perk up. People want to go, "Ooh, what's that person talking about TikTok? I want to understand how to use TikTok better." What are you know? We get we're doing an event in a few weeks where we're talking about how to manage your assets within the TikTok age, and TikTok is causing that, and we've seen a great explosion in that. You should check that out too. It's uh, with Binders, uh, Director of Sales and Field and Marketing. So we're going to be talking about that as well. But So I think you got to watch this closely. And the other point I'd make too, and to close it up for me is if you're Amazon, you got to be worried about this a little bit because yeah. it's if it works, it's going to cut into your sales. And also, if you think about what we talked about last week, it also highlights why Buy With Prime and the Shopify partner is potentially a defensive strategy against this, or at least a potential offset against it, getting a cut of the traffic and the volume that happens to the Shopify vendors on TikTok's platform. At least Amazon's yep. saying if you can't beat them, join them. Yep. Uh, that's a great observation. I mean, I think that the the question for me is, can TikTok do what Instagram couldn't in this space? And I think that the biggest differentiator here is that the next generation of shopper, Gen Z and beyond, they are using TikTok for search. They are not going to Amazon as frequently. They are going to go type in Charlotte Tilbury eyeshadow palette. And now they're able to see shopping results for that. Now, previously, there's a lot of competition in the space. There's a lot of knockoff product. There's a lot of room for brands to actually get in here, create their own brand pages on TikTok, which many of them haven't started yet. At least I wasn't able to see um, online when I was checking. So this is something that we'll kind of see develop as, as this matures in the coming months. But 
biggest thing is you're able to do search and discovery here. You're able to either one, whether you want to just scroll through your feed and look and then buy right from there. Or if you want to like actually go and execute and say, hey, I want this palette. I'm going to buy it right now. The thing I still wonder about, which is is great that you're bringing up the buy with Prime and Shopify, you're still paying with third-party payments for this, which I think could be a challenge in the U.S. market. You're not going directly to the brand sites in all of these scenarios to make payments. So I think I still think for brands, it may be important to either create the brand page and take them onto a one-to-one connection with their consumers so that the consumers are going to them to pay versus paying in TikTok, even though it's a little bit of a disjointed experience. But I think that that's going to be the the kind of linchpin here to the success of this is what happens with the transaction once you're buying. Because I'm not big on the TikTok payment, I gotta say. Yeah, that's right. You're right. And that's why we've long said or advocated for the, and that's why I mentioned the point about control. The retailer mm-hmm. should be working with technology companies like Lucky to make sure that those ads that are served up are then taking people back to the website, understand the inventory of the retailer or the brand that's selling the product, and that you can close the deal that way. A hundred, 100% great point. All right. Let's go to the lightning round. Chris. All right. Let's do it. Target's latest shop and shop is Kendra Scott for Target. Of all the jewelry, in the world, Chris, what item should they prioritize as a hero product? What would you, what do you like to see on Mrs. Omnitalk? Like, do you have a favorite piece of jewelry? I love that you ask me these questions because I have no idea, and I have absolutely <laughs> no idea about this. I mean, I'm, I'm trying to think about it from a merchandising perspective. I mean, I would probably, you know, prioritize whatever you think you're going to sell the most of, which to me, I, I don't know the category that well. Uh, I would guess the necklaces are the most accessible. I'm, I'm, more, a- I'm more asking from like, you know? what do you prefer? Like, what's your favorite piece of jewelry to buy? Is it is it necklaces? Like, is that if you're getting something from Mrs. Omnitalk, is it a necklace? D, none of the above, Ann. All right. Coke released a new AI created beverage, Coca-Cola Y3000, which is meant to taste like Coke, but also has a hint of flavors meant to connote the future. And what flavors do you most associate with the future? Oh man. Uh I guess I'm going I, like charcoal, silver. It's like all elements. Like I don't know why, but I just am like thinking of like it's hey, not about flavor anymore. It's just about like ele- yeah, elemental flavors and materials. So nothing good that I want to drink. But then again, I don't know. I'm not charcoal I'm hates not, red. I'm not ch- chugging uh Coca-Cola either. So yeah. um Chris Walmart is working on a new cart design, adding cup and phone holders, and they've even made the handles slightly taller for people like you who are taller. What other feature would you add to your ideal shopping cart? Yeah, I saw the story of that. I didn't actually look at the cart yet. I did see it real quick. It did look super tall, which looked Mm -hmm. kind of awkward. But uh, I mean, for me, I mean, literally, I can't go grocery shopping with my two kids because they're always hitting each other. So I want a cart where I can strap them in on each side, like like a papoose board for each of the kids and just literally strap them and drive them around so they can't move because that's the only way I can get my shopping done without like losing my my mind and they drive me nuts. All right. A shiny, this is a good one. A shiny golden orb of unknown origin was recently discovered two miles deep in the Pacific Ocean. And my question for you to close this out is what is your favorite orb? The only orb I could think of because we just saw it yesterday is the the bean in Chicago. Oh, the giant metallic bean? Yeah. yeah. 
I mean, that I don't know. An orb because it's not circular. I don't know. Oh, I guess bean, not. Are beans um, orbs? Oh. Omnitalk fans, let us know if a bean is yeah, also an orb. I have no idea. I don't know Clearly, the I don't know my orbs from my beans. What I mean, <laughs> my orb. I don't know. I don't, my know, orb from I my don't elbow. know orbs from beans. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. That was the again shiny metallic silver. That was the theme of my answers today. Apparently, for the yeah, week. God, you yeah, did you get a filling or something? Like what happened to you this week? All right, well, happy birthday today to Andrew Lincoln, Faith Ford, and the man who can hopefully help me put an end to this podcast in warp speed, Mister Chekhov himself, the great Walter Koenig, who turns, believe it or not, and eighty-seven years old today. Shout out to Chekhov. And remember, if you can only read or listen to one retail blog in the business, make it OmniTalk, the only retail media outlet run by two former executives from a current top 10 U.S. retailer. Our Fast Five podcast is the quickest, fastest rundown of all the week's top news. And our twice-weekly newsletter tells you the top five things you need to know each day and also features special content exclusive to us. And we do it all just for you. And we try really hard to make it all fit within the preview pane of your inbox. You can sign up today at www.amitalk.blog. Thanks, as always, for listening in. Please remember to like and leave us a review wherever you happen to listen to your podcast or on YouTube. And YouTube is the best way to watch our podcast and because you get our unique video styling. So until next week, and on behalf of all of us at Amitalk Retail, be careful out there. The Amitalk Fast Five is brought to you in association with the A&M Consumer and Retail Group. The A&M Consumer and Retail Group is a management consulting firm that tackles the most complex challenges and advances its clients, people, and communities toward their maximum potential. CRG brings the experience, tools, and operator-like pragmatism to help retailers and consumer products companies be on the right side of disruption. And Firework. Firework is the largest video commerce solution built for the world's leading brands. They empower brands with shoppable and live stream video on their own websites where people like to shop. Put your commerce in motion with Firework. Find out more at firework.com and SPS Commerce. SPS Commerce is redefining how businesses across the supply chain operate in an omni-channel world. Their experts, tech, and data work together to fuel your growth and deliver for your customers. To find out more, head to spscommerce.com. And finally, Sezzle. Sezzle is an innovative buy now, pay later solution that allows shoppers to split purchases into four interest-free payments over six weeks. To learn more, visit Sezzle.com.